Amen. What a great, great truth. Uh, you can go ahead and grab a seat. But what a great reminder that it's not uh, that we are mighty. In fact, we know we're not mighty, but Jesus is mighty. And it's, it's his mightiness that lives within us. And for some reason now I'm thinking of Mighty Mouse. Uh, I don't know. I grew up watching Mighty Mouse. Just a little mouse, but he was mighty. Uh, that's how I feel today. It has nothing to do with our message. Forgive I said it. Okay. Why don't you grab your notes out of your handout, and uh, we will, we're going to jump in. Uh, I am so very excited. We've got a series planned. Uh, we're going to launch it next week, and, and today what we want to talk about is how connection is everything. But I want to begin by asking, do you recall the Red Bull Space Jumper? You remember this guy? On October 14, 2012, a man named Felix Baumgartner went so high up into the atmosphere and he jumped out of a capsule and he was so high that he could see the curvature of the earth below him. He was like, oh my gosh, I might miss it, right? And it's amazing to me that he not only hit the earth, he hit the right continent, even the right state, New Mexico, that he was aiming for. And along the way, he broke all kinds of records. You might not know this. He broke the record of the longest free fall. He fell 24 miles straight. He broke the record of the fastest human traveling without assistance. And he was the first human to break the sound barrier without a vehicle. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. But the portrait that I'd like to draw is that he had help. Of course he did. Uh, all kinds of people investing in his success. Engineers who designed his suit and his balloon and his capsule. Meteorologists who helped coordinate his jump with weather conditions. Medics who administered Red Bull intravenously before the jump. No, I'm kidding. Technicians who monitored every single aspect of his physical condition so that he didn't pass out, so that his blood didn't boil. I'm glad they solved that problem, right? And so that he didn't burn up on entry and become the world's first human shooting star. And the list of things that can go wrong with the mints, and that's why he had to have all kinds of people who had his back. And you've heard it said that it takes a village to raise a child, but I'm here to tell you it takes a team to jump from space. And in the same way, I want you to know that it requires a family to make it in life and in faith. It requires a family. Connection is everything. But in order for me to draw out this concept of connection is everything, I need to remind you of an old German proverb. And this old German proverb is, blood is thicker than water. Are you familiar with this? Raise your hand if you've heard this before. Blood is thicker than water. And in German, uh, my German friend uh, Dominic has told me, it's pronounced, Blut ist dicker als Wasser. And generally what this means is that the bonds of common ancestry, in other words, DNA, are stronger than friendships between unrelated people, which is water. So blood, DNA, is stronger than relationships of water or non-DNA. But for those who have placed our faith in Jesus, this saying is absolutely true. It just happens to have the opposite meaning. In other words, blood being born again through the blood of Jesus Christ is thicker than water, all other kinds of relationships we might have. 
And when you are born into this life here on earth, you're born through water. And, and you all, we already know this because we've all watched some dumb romantic comedy where uh, the, the, the pregnant lady announces suddenly, my water has broken, and then the husband promptly loses his mind and forgets the suitcase and pays the cab driver to rush through town. They arrive at the hospital. The dad's just wearing boxer shorts and boots. Uh, they, they usher the woman into the waiting room when immediately the, the baby is delivered oftentimes as a pre-toddler. And that's how all of us entered into this life through water. Jesus even refers to this in John chapter 2, that, that we're born through water. And the relationships, right, that that brings are what we call family relationships. And family relationships are complex. Oftentimes they're a mix of just positive and negative, good and bad. There's thick, strong love in our family relationships, as well as a healthy dose of dysfunction. And you probably know what this is like. Growing up, you have a little brother. You're beating the snot out of him on the playground, and then somebody else insults your brother, and you're ready to throw down with that guy because you want to protect his honor, right? It's complex. It's weird. And I think about our, my family. I think about my relationship with those in my life that I'm related to. I think about my relationship with my own kiddos. And I know that there's a thick, strong love there, but also a, a mix of some dysfunction. And I say all this to recognize that that's what being born of water is all about. But when it comes to being born again in faith, we're born through the blood of Jesus and that bond, that love is even thicker. It's, it's more powerful. We're born again through his shed blood on the cross of Calvary. We're born again as sons and daughters of God Most High. We're born as uh, uh, sons and daughters, which means we call out Abba, Father, Daddy to God. And that means we are brothers and sisters together in the family of God. We are co-heirs with Jesus, recipients of a glorious inheritance. And so blood really is thicker than water, right? That refers to the relationships we have now based on the blood of Jesus Christ. Our birth into God's kingdom is a birth through his blood that is eternal. It lasts forever, and it's the most true thing about us. You know, I wonder if you've ever been in a situation where you've discovered this. Maybe it's a situation at church, or, or maybe you're in a new situation. You're, you're putting your kids into a new school, or, or you're on vacation, and you strike up a conversation with somebody you've never met before. But within just a few moments of interacting with that person, you're like, oh my goodness, you're my brother or you're my sister. There's already a friendship here. It's like we've known each other for some time. And, and then you, you kind of probe a little bit and you realize that you share a faith in Jesus. And suddenly you recognize that, that we're knit together in this incredible way that, that somehow the relationship is deeper and more real. There, there's, a, there's a connectedness here that really defies explanation. And that's what the Bible refers to. You know, in Christ, this is what the Bible says. It says, we are put 
together. We are joined together. We are built together. We are members together. We're heirs together. We're fitted together, held together, and we will be caught up together. And we have the references for all of those verses because it's filled, the Bible's filled with these together statements. And that's really the key word in this is that God is the one who has knit us together through Jesus Christ and our faith in him. We are joined to God in our faith. God places his spirit within us through faith and we are united to one another in faith. In other words, and you might want to write this down, our relationship with God is personal, but it's never intended to be private. Our relationship is personal, but it's never intended to be private. Our faith requires both believing and belonging. Believing and belonging. And the greatest thing we can do as believers is to live as the Bible calls us to live. Belonging to one another in a family where non-believers can also find belonging if they choose to step into this family. And this word belonging, and again, somewhere in your notes, you might want to write this down. The word belonging, originally, it has this word that Paul uses again and again. It's the word member. And this concept of membership is actually, it's originally a Christian idea. To, to be honest, it, it, it traces its, its uh, lineage all the way back to the Apostle Paul. But when we think about membership today, what we think about is so very different than what the Apostle Paul had in mind to begin with. You see, when Paul uses the concept of member, he had this totally different idea. In fact, you, it might be helpful to think of membership as this. Integrated community or spiritual Jesus-based friendships. Integrated community or spiritual Jesus-based friendships. And, and you can see that if we have this idea of membership, of belonging together, it'll change the way we interact with one another. See, when Paul uses this concept of member in Scripture, he, he is actually referring to the members of your body. So he's referring to the, the parts of your body and the systems of your body working together, the organs of your body comprising the systems that are functioning well. That's how he uses the term member. He, he wants you to think about, say, a liver. So would you do that? Would you picture a liver? In fact, imagine a liver in a dish, okay? Uh, imagine a liver in a dish, just hanging out. Now, at one point, I actually purchased a liver and brought it to Overlake. I didn't do that today. <laughs> and the reason I didn't do that today is because it cost eight bucks. And I was like, eight bucks? Come on, you know. And the second reason is because it smelled delicious. And it was hard to preach over my gag reflex. So today, we just have a dish. So just imagine the liver in the dish. It's just hanging out. It's a good-looking liver. It's just hanging out. It has decided, however, to withdraw, to secede from the body in which it originated. And it's just hanging out, not doing much of anything. It's just playing fantasy football in four different leagues, buying Powerball tickets. Uh, it's just hanging out. And, and, and by the way, it might have had good reason to withdraw. 
it might have had uh, you know, good cause to secede from the body. After all, the liver is the detoxifier of the body, and maybe it just got tired of dealing with all the poison of the other members' choices in the body. So, so you can't blame it too much that it's hanging out in this dish. But you can see what the problem would be of a liver hanging out in a dish, and that is this, that a liver removed from the body will die. And a body without a liver will die. Do you see this? That it's no good thinking of this individual member in sort of separation or abstentia of the rest of the body because they're only really defined when they're placed together. And that's what the Apostle Paul was trying to get across. Look at this verse in Romans. I wanted to read this to you from the message paraphrase. It says, in this way, we are like various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other. Isn't that beautiful? And, and really, if you want to look at this passage and you want to paraphrase it, you can say, if you're following Jesus and you're disconnected, you are a liver in a dish, right? You're disconnected from the lifeblood of the body of Christ, the spiritual life in you, the vitality of Christ's family within you begins to ebb and to fade and to dwindle out. And that's why... Disconnection from a group is the first step away from a vibrant faith. That's why ceasing to regularly worship in a corporate context like here at, at, at Overlake, that is the, the second step away from this faith that is so life-giving, that is so defining, that is so important eternally because we are designed to be integral and essential members in the body. It's because we are family members together and we need one another. We belong to one another. And, you know, it's like we belong out, we belong in, that we belong together. So I want to show you a video, and I've seen this maybe a dozen times. I love this video. It perfectly displays the stark contrast of the vulnerability that comes from isolation and the power and the protection that comes from being connected. I, I just want you to know that I don't know a single other way to communicate this that would be more real and more poignant than to display this, this video which shows how incredibly vulnerable it is, how, how uh, it's so easy to be picked off spiritually when you're disconnected and how th there's so much protection in being a vibrant and essential part of the family of God. And when I say this, you just have to realize that there is an enemy of your soul. There's an enemy of God. And the enemy has always had a pretty direct purpose. The Bible speaks really, really clearly of this. This is what it says about what the enemy wishes to do. John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, The thief 
comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the enemy wants to do. Steal, kill, and destroy. Steal your faith. Kill your faith. Destroy your faith. Remove you from this vibrant family of God. And then that next verse from 1 Peter, our enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So that's his goal, to devour, right, to rob us of life. And one of his most effective strategies is to pick off the isolated one, the the weak one, the disconnected one. That's who he's looking for. That's who lions look for when they're looking for a free lunch. So in this video, you're going to see this reality played out, vulnerability versus protection that comes from community. And this clip has everything, friends. It's got lions, it's got crocodiles, it's got water buffalo. Okay, so let me set this up for you. Um, here's the context. A family of water buffalo are strolling along the, the, you know, the, the veldt in Africa. And they're just walking unknowingly straight into a pride of lions. And, and they're just hanging out. It doesn't take long for the lions to start to realize that for them, this is a free lunch buffet coming our way. Right? And so they go ahead and pounce, and you're going to notice who the lions pounce on. They pounce on the small one, the one that gets separated from the herd. We'll call this water buffalo Buffy. Okay? So Buffy, Buffy gets separated, Buffy gets attacked, Buffy is the one that the lions seek to devour because they're able to peel Buffy away from the protection of the herd. So you got to go ahead and watch this video, watch it to the end, it has a good ending, I promise you. All right, let's go ahead. Just strolling along, this is in a handheld camera, so it's not... The very best footage. Just sneaking up. Okay, there's the one in front. That must be the, the leader. The Grand Poobah. All right, here they come. There's Buffy. I know you want to look away, but don't look away just yet. There's the croc. You thought it was safe in the water. Just a little tug of war with Buffy right now. That's caught between a rock and a hard place, I'd say. All right, croc loses. Lions win. But wait. Buffy. Where's Buffy? There's Buffy right there. Just a flesh wound. All right. 
Okay, we can, we can cut that off. You're welcome. Just the kind of video you wanted to see at church. Buffy lives to graze another day. And all because of the protection offered by the family. You see this, right? That, and it, it would be nice if you thought that the enemy only attacks from one direction. If, if there was only one direction that the enemy would come from, you think, you know what, maybe I could figure out a way to protect myself on my own. Maybe I could figure out. But you need to realize, and that video represents, no, you know what, the enemy will attack from all sides. That's why you need a family around you. That's why you need community that has your back because the attack will come. You don't even see it coming, okay? So let me give you three, four things that I want you to process as we think about this concept of community. The first is this. Moving from disconnection to connection is an individual decision. Moving from disconnection to connection is an individual decision, Acts 2.42, this is a picture of the vibrant first church that we see. And it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And the key verb I'd like you to focus on is devoted. They devoted themselves. They made a decision. This was going to be priority for them. They were going to make a decision. This is going to come first. We are going to be connected to one another. And so they devoted themselves to community, to the teaching, to the breaking of bread together, to fellowship there, to prayer. And maybe you're, Dominic mentioned earlier, maybe you're here and you feel like you're right in the midst of that ringer. Maybe you feel like a little Buffy there and you've got the lions on one side tearing at you and the crocodile on the other side and you feel like you're just barely making it. Life is, is after you. The enemy's after you. You feel discouraged as you start this new year. And I just want you to understand you don't need to go through that alone. That God's family is here. We want to be a part of one another's lives. We want to be for one another, protecting one another, praying for one another. We, we want to be members together, right? Like the members of a singular body. And that's where protection is. Now I say all this because connection is an individual decision. In other words, you've got to make that decision, I can't make it for you. No one else can make it for you. You need to make it for yourself. And right now, I promise you, there are hundreds of good reasons you have why you aren't connected. Hundreds. You aren't connected right now in a group because your schedule doesn't permit. The pace of life is too frantic. Because you don't know if you'd find a group that you'd like. You don't know if you'd find a group that likes you. That's a valid concern. I just want you to know you, you've got all kinds of reasons not to be connected. But what you've got to do is say, I'm going to prioritize connection. And I'm going to decide to be connected regardless of what the excuses might be. It starts with a decision. And you know as well as I knew that what you prioritize gets done. And so if you prioritize connection, you will get it done. It starts with an individual decision. But that's not where it ends. Look at the next line. Moving from isolation to community is a family effort. It's a family effort. It's something that we do together. 
Scripture says this in Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we encourage one another. We spur one another on. I love what the word encourage in this passage means. It literally means pour courage in. That's what it means. And this is what we are called to do for one another. We're to encourage one another. We're, we're to spur one another on toward connection, not giving up meeting together, but encouraging one another, pouring courage in. Let's stay connected. Let's get connected. Let's live life in membership with one another together. So what this might look like for you is it's not just a challenge for you to make an individual decision to get into a group. It's a challenge for you to encourage a buddy to join you as you do that. To make sure that you're in tandem with your spouse as you make that decision if you're married. That, that you're saying, hey, who can I encourage to take this step of connection with me? Okay, so it's an individual decision, but it's also a family effort. It brings us to this third fill-in here. Moving from individual to family requires leaders. It requires leadership. And the scripture says this in 1 Peter 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 2. Be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. I want you to remember when that one water buffalo came in and gave that lion a ride with his horns. You remember that? That buffalo was a leader. Right? That's a picture of leadership where, where you're, you're coming in and you're watching over and you're taking care of and you're serving. Not because you must, the scripture says, but because this is an honor that we get to do as a part of the family of God. And Overlake has hundreds and hundreds of incredible servant leaders. I absolutely love being on the journey. Literally hundreds and hundreds of you are already serving but I just want you to know that we have all kinds of room for additional leadership here at Overlay. And one of the reasons, I talk to people all the time, one of the reasons why some of you feel like you're, you're getting a little stagnant in your faith, you're getting a little bored in your faith journey, and, and one of the reasons might be it's because you haven't found a place to serve. You haven't found a place to give. You haven't begun to explore your leadership potential, so all you're doing is receiving. You're receptacle of, of, and you're just taking in spiritual information, spiritual nourishment, spiritual entertainment in some regards. You're just, you're just taking it in. You're, you're just receiving, but you don't have any place where you're giving out. And I know you've heard me talk about this before. I'm sure this analogy will come up again. But there's this incredible place on earth. I've been there. It's an incredible place. It's called the Dead Sea. It is the lowest body of water in the world. And it's incredibly briny and salty. Raise your hand if you've ever been to the Dead Sea. Yeah, so some, some of us have. It, it, is, it is almost like one of those, you, you got to go there to believe it because it is so salty that it is buoyant. You, you just, you cannot sink in the Dead Sea. So if you can lay out on top of the surface of the Dead Sea. 
This is why groups never do baptisms there because you just, you put, you know, body parts are popping up. It's so salty that when you're in the Dead Sea, you know, if you have a little hangnail, it like burns everything. It's like, ooh, apparently I have a hemorrhoid, you know. <laughs> True story. Uh, and the reason why the Dead Sea is like that is because it receives all of this water from the Jordan River. Remember where, where John the baptizer uh, was baptizing all this folk? Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, this beautiful river that winds through the most fertile valley on planet Earth, by the way, all fed from the Sea of Galilee, which is this beautiful, beautiful place up in the north, this kind of this vineyard of Israel. So you've got all this incredible life flowing into the Dead Sea, and then it's deposited there, and there's no outlet. And because it just receives but doesn't give, it's dead. And nothing lives in the Dead Sea. That's why it got its name, okay? Now, if you're a Jesus follower and you're not giving out, if you haven't found a place to serve, if you haven't found a place to exercise your leadership in the faith, then, then the picture is you're the Dead Sea. You might be receiving the world's best information, the world's best challenge. The most inspiring realities of our faith, you're consuming week in and week out. But if you're not giving out, you're the Dead Sea. And so it's a challenge, right? That, that we need to recognize that it, it, this connection that we're pursuing, it's an individual decision and it's a family effort, but it requires leaders. And maybe this is a season when you're being called to step into leadership. Over 50 times in the New Testament, the words one another are used. Love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, admonish one another, greet one another, serve one another, teach one another, accept one another, honor one another, bear one another's burdens, forgive one another, submit to one another, be devoted to one another, greet one another with a brotherly kiss. In fact, we're going to pause and we're going to do this right now. We have a kiss cam, I think. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get some <laughs> biblical kiss cam. Let's go. No, I'm just kidding. Not at all. We won't do that. But there are so many mutual tasks to be done through our thick relationships because blood is thicker than water. The blood of our faith which knits us together. And here's my key challenge. This is where I'll end. The key challenge is to invest in spiritual friendships. Invest in spiritual friendship. Make this a priority of 2016. Through the way that you care, through the way that you invite, through the way that you pursue relationship, we need to value each other and pray for each other, have encouraging spiritual conversations with each other, and it will require investment. But this is the investment that Jesus challenges his followers to. He says, this is how the world's going to know I'm for real. Look what it says here. Jesus says in John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. In the scriptures, we have a great picture of friendship in David and Jonathan. If it's been a while since you've read about their friendship, go back into the Old Testament. Read through 
how they loved one another, how they cared for one another, served one another. Jonathan, this beautiful picture of servant leadership, how he knew blood, the blood of their faith, was so much thicker than water, the water of family relationships. A couple of quotes here. Ralph Waldo Emerson says, the only way to have a friend is to be one. So Overlake, will you commit to being a friend this year and investing in a spiritual friendship? Henry Nouwen says, when we honestly ask ourselves which person in our lives means the most to us, we often find that it is those who instead of giving advice, solutions, or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and touch our wounds with a warm and tender hand. Will you invest in spiritual friendships? I want to close with a, a personal story from one of our elders, with permission. Uh, a while back, my buddy James, his mom had a heart attack, and it rocked her body, and, and it rocked his world. And he recounted to me that first night when he was there in the hospital room, his, his mother was sedated. She was resting peacefully, but, but he was torn up and freaking out. And so in that first night, in the late watches of night, he thought, you know what I need to do? I need to call my two best friends. And so he put a call out, and the first call went to, to his best friend who also shares uh, faith in Jesus Christ. And that was an incredible conversation. This, this man is an accountability partner to my buddy James, and, and they have this really rich a friendship that's lasted years. And, and, and James' buddy, he was like, look, what do you need from me? I'll get on a plane right now. I can be by your side by the morning. He said, hey, whatever it is, I'll, I'll drop anything. I want to serve you. And, and, and uh, he prayed for him and he encouraged him. And, and he just, it just was one of those times when James said, I, I don't think I've ever felt as supported as I did in that conversation. Hung up the phone. He makes a second call to his other friend. This has been a lifelong friend of James, but they do not share a faith. And, and they had this conversation, and, and the other friend was, was sure nice, and the other friend really wanted to communicate care. And he ended up saying uh, something like, well, I'll, I'll be sending uh, good thoughts towards your mom. And as James hung up the phone, he realized, not that, not that his, his friend who followed Jesus was a better friend than his friend who didn't believe he just realized it was a different kind of friendship. He just realized that the things that were in common, the things that knit him and, and his accountability buddy together, that that was so deep and it was so rich and it was so vibrant and it was so other, the life experience that he'd had with his friend who didn't share faith. And, and he realized in that moment what I'm trying to say to you, that blood is thicker than water. That the blood of Jesus Christ that knits us together, it is more thick and it's more powerful, it's more vibrant and it's more eternal than any other foundation of relationship that we can have. And so friends, in 2016, I wanna to declare to you that connection is everything. That we need one another. We need to make an individual decision to be connected. We need to make a family choice that we are going to live in connection and we need leadership so that our connection with one another can flourish.
why don't you go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray. And Jesus, what we want to do right now is we want to lay down whatever excuse we have that's preventing us from being connected in your family. And Jesus, you know how valid some of these excuses are. You know there are reasons, reasons of scheduling and faith, or, or, or pace, rather. Reasons that, that, that are, are reasons that are, that are based maybe in fear or insecurity. Reasons that, that we think are the most valid things in the world, but yet you tell us that if we make a priority, that you will provide a pathway. And so, Jesus, what we want to do is we want to make a priority this year that we will live in connection. We want to choose to value you. We want to choose to value the relationships that come through the faith that we have in you. We ask that you would allow us to follow you with great, vibrant connection to you and real, deep connection with the family that you've given us. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.